0: Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz podcast at thehuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and co-host Jake Richmond and Harley Schultz.
1: Welcome back to the playoff edition of the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, and this week I'm joined by Harley Schultz. How's it going, Harley?
0: Playoffs? What are you talking about playoffs? I'm Seriously, though, if you're listening to our podcast right now, then I hope you, as a fantasy owner, have a shot at your playoffs if you're not already in your playoffs. And, you know, for those of you who came up a little bit shorter, you know, you had a couple of your guys get hurt along the way and you're not going to make the playoffs, you know, there's still a section a few, uh, few minutes away from now where we talk about beer. And when I talk about beer, maybe I'll give you a great beer that you can drink to kind of drown some of your sorrows. This beer is going to come in at about 11%. So the alcohol might be able to blind some of your, uh, some of your pity that you might have over uh, losses like Jamal Charles or Le'Veon Bell or Tony Romo or any of the other myriad of players that were lost for the season this
1: year. Well, and of course, there's always our DFS episode um, segment where we can help people that don't make the playoffs that want to just do DFS to keep themselves entertained for the rest of the way. Um, I do have two announcements to make. Um, The first that I'll say is that this is sadly going to be our second to last episode for the season. Um, Next week will be our final episode. And the reason for that is, is the week after that is the week of Christmas. Um, So we are going to take that week off so that we can focus on our family. And then the following week, rather than return, unfortunately um, for listeners, but fortunately for myself and my wife, is the week that we are scheduled to close on the house that we're buying. Um, So there's no way that we'll be able to do this recording. So we're going to wrap it up and put you on your own after um, next week. So make sure you listen in for one last week next week. The other announcement is, unfortunately, E is not going to be able to join us this evening. Um, His grandmother passed away, and um, it's, you know, with a heavy heart that I have to say that our condolences are out to E and his family. Um, It's never easy to lose a loved one, especially this time of year. So I want to just pause for a second, and we'll have a little moment of silence, and then we'll get back at it. There you go, buddy. Sorry for your loss, and if there's anything we can do, by all means, let us know. So what I think we're going to do at this point is we're going to throw it right on over to Harley for this week's BPN News.
0: Thank you, Steve. Buck Allen has quickly begun his case, making for being the Ravens' starter next season. Thanks in part to 369 combo yards and two touchdowns over the last three weeks, Allen ranks third amongst running backs in total yards over that span. Considering his recent dominant performances, next year he will be changing his nickname from Buck to Benjamin. (laughs) Filling in for the injured Rashard Matthews, Devontae Parker hauled in only three passes last week. That said, those three passes accounted for 74% of the Dolphins' passing yards. Parker also hauled in their only passing touchdown against the traditionally awful Ravens' secondary. This begs the obvious question. What the heck happened to Ryan Tannehill and Jarvis Landry? Landry had averaged seven catches in 74 yards this year, and this past week he dropped a sizzling pile of two catches for five yards on his unsuspecting owners. It wouldn't have burned quite so bad if it had been against an even slightly better than awful defense. But unfortunately, it came against a secondary that had allowed multiple wide receiver touchdowns in five of six games. I would wish all you Landry and Tannehill owners good luck in your playoffs next week, but due to this guano party, you probably aren't going to make it anyways. (laughs) Adrian Peterson was reportedly upset that he received only eight carries this past weekend against Seattle. Well, Adrian, you aren't alone. All of your fantasy owners are also upset that you only received eight carries. Of course... They are also only upset that you barely eked out two yards per carry on the carries you were given. Peterson has made a habit lately of starting games slowly, which begs the question, does anyone have a switch we can use to whip him into gear from the get-go of a game? Ouch. Somehow, the Philadelphia Eagles upset Tom Brady and the Patriots, thus delaying the inevitable firing of Chip Kelly one more week every week that Kelly manages to hold on to his job is simply amazing. Needless to say, Kelly is hanging on by a very thin thread, and he is definitely adhering to the adage of a chip and a chair. <laughs> and finally, following a miserable performance by Austin Davis, Johnny Manziel has been named the Browns' starter for the remainder of the season. Or as I like to refer to it, Jerry Jones gets four more games of footage to work with before overpaying the Browns for Manziel's rights. This has been your BPN news update with Harley Schultz.
1: Wow. Some serious burnage going on in there. It's like you got the Yule log and stoked it up.
0: A little frustration with a couple players this week.
1: My goodness. I'm afraid to ask what's on the cutting room floor.
0: Well, uh, it's appropriate since I'm here in Minnesota that I get my final shot in uh, on a Minnesota player. So, Let's have it. Young quarterbacks were all the rage this week as Blake Bortles, Marcus Marietta, Jameis Winston, Tyrod Taylor, and Brock Osweiler all performed like grizzled veterans. Unfortunately, here in Minnesota, Teddy Bridgewater once again struggled to lead the Vikings once they abandoned their running game. It remains to be seen if Bridgewater will legitimately be the Vikings quarterback of the future. However, in related news, Ohio State quarterback Cardale Jones was spotted at a Twin Cities restaurant dining with Rick Spielman following this week's game.
1: Well, okay then. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mr. Bridgewater. Mr. Bridgewater was my blue light special at quarterback. He, he's he's just,
0: becoming very frustrating.
1: To say the least. What about all those people that had Stefan Diggs and you know thought he was the next best thing to slice bread? Um, I you...
0: still think Diggs, Diggs really has shown some great skills, despite yes. the fact that the offense really not giving him much to work with. And uh, a lot of that, I think, is the kid gloves. They're still holding on Bridgewater. I'm not talking about the gloves Bridgewater wears. I'm talking about the kid gloves <laughs> that Norv Turner has forced him to wear. Yep. And unfortunately, I, I always thought, I mean, Norv Turner's always talked about as like a quarterback whisperer type of guy, but he's just not being given the opportunity to be dynamic and it's too bad because here in minnesota what we've seen of bridgewater when he's been really good is when he's been allowed to run the two minute and four minute offenses where he's allowed to pretty much kind of kind of be his own man be be kind of that gunslinger out there and when he's gotten that opportunity he's been very good this year and even last year too but in this game manager role it just it feels like it doesn't suit him
1: yeah i don't know who it was that said it i heard on the radio today um on a show but they referred to Bridgewater as a guy you can win with currently, but not one that can win, f- that you can, that can take you two wins, if that makes any sense. Um,
0: exactly. Uh, you can get a win with him, but he is not going to get you a win.
1: Correct. That's perfectly said. So, anyway, um, the Vikings are set up still to make the playoffs. We'll use that as our segue to um, break this huddle Five, two, and get into our first down. How's that? Um, which is we're going to talk about playoffs. And the most important thing is probably what? Strength of schedule? Well, and
0: health. But yes, uh, yeah, you health. want to choose the players who've got the easiest schedule in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, you don't want to bank on health this year. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> I, just, come
1: on. Ugh.
0: So many injuries this year. It's, it's just been, I mean, it, it's, it's laughable. It's, it's seriously laughable. I mean, every year we say the same thing. It always seems like there's so many injuries.
1: Next year, I'm starting a fantasy league, and it's going to be a fantasy injury league where you get X number of points based on the type of injury and the number of games that the player winds up being out. At the end of the year, we see who has the best team.
0: We used to actually have a league uh, about about 20 years ago. I was in a league where we rewarded convict points for every time a member of your team was convicted of a crime. You got like an extra five points that week.
1: <laughs> man, that's where the, the Bengals had to be top top dogs during the drafts. There.
0: The Bengals, uh, the Panthers, with guys like Ray Carruth and uh, <laughs> James Hardy, and yeah.
1: <laughs> so as we talk about strength of schedule, everybody likes to list quarterbacks first when you're talking about. Okay, what are my starters? One quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, and a tight end, something like that. So that's how that's the order we'll go in. So we'll start a quarterback, and I find it interesting that looking at the top five easiest schedules. Um, for quarterbacks are players that fit the, ready, drum roll, quarterback, <laughs> the, the zero quarterback theorem. There Therefore, these five guys on these teams are quarterback streamers. Your first one is who? It's, it's somebody near and dear to your heart.
0: Oh, it's a, it's a guy who I, I, I like to yell at and throw stuff at the TV screen every single week when I watch him play, and that's Alex Smith of KC.
1: He yeah, two great games in, in the playoff weeks of Week 14 through 16. Um, another guy with a great schedule is Peyton. Not Peyton Manning, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, that was on purpose. we just call him Not Peyton from now on. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. We'll call him Not Peyton. There you go. Not Peyton has a great schedule during the playoffs. Two very good games and only one bad. So you can spot start him against with a guy like Alex Smith or another you know streamable quarterback. Now, there is one guy in the top five that's somebody that was more than likely – drafted in most leagues and that's russell wilson and he's playing lights out um because the defense outside of what they did to minnesota has been suspect to say the least
0: but even if you look at a guy like russell wilson uh based on how he started this season averaging one touchdown a game for the first nine weeks most teams either weren't starting him you could have traded for him for a song yep in a lot of cases he may have even been dropped in your leagues and re-picked up in the last few weeks as he started to turn it back on
1: and he has, a, he has a nice schedule the rest of the way. And then two other guys that um, have good schedules, good enough schedules where you can spot start them at the right time. Um, one that I think players will have no problem taking and putting in their lineup if they pick him up. And that's Tyrod Taylor. Um, he's shown that when healthy, he's had some very good games this year.
0: He's another one of those young dual threat quarterbacks that uh, can beat you with his arm. And he can beat you with his legs. And it, it showed this past week. He only completed 11 passes. But he ended up accounting for four touchdowns. And that's, well, those stat that percentage is just ridiculous. And It's certainly not something that you'd expect to continue over a long period of time. But when he's got the uh, the great receiver that he has there in Sammy Watkins, and Watkins has really turned it on the second half of the season, it, it just gives you someone that you can trust to throw the ball downfield, and they're going to go and get it. And as long as Watkins is healthy – I think Tyrod Taylor is a great sneaky play into the playoffs.
1: Don't disagree. Now, our last guy is a guy that I'm not sure I can get on, get on the bandwagon with, um, especially after this past week's performance. He
0: cost me some money this week. <laughs> um,
1: because, what do they say? It's like a, a broken clock is right twice a day at least or something like that. I mean, the Ravens have been money to play people against because that defense, especially the secondary, is so bad. And what, I'm, Ryan...
0: I'm willing to give a slight slight no. bump to them no. based on the fact that there was some some weather issues there. Ah uh, tough. No. <laughs> no. But yeah, again, it's it's hard to negate the fact that Ryan Tannehill did not throw for hundred yards in this game against arguably the one of the at least one of the three worst pass defenses in football.
1: And what only one player, I believe, had over five yards receiving?
0: That player was Devontae Parker.
1: Right. And for, you know, full disclosure, in my blue light specials for my um, Friday article that I published, I had picked Rashard Matthews to be my blue light special because of the matchup. And he um, got hurt. <laughs> but he was hurt and he was declared inactive. But that's the perils of, you know, penning an article before the final injury report's out, too. So... I was on Twitter right after I found that out, and I said, well, I guess that would make Devontae Parker my de facto um, blue light special this week. The only reason I didn't want to use him is because his price was just a little bit higher, but he still was pretty diagonal cheap. Um, So, God forbid, at least he was somebody that did perform a little bit, but yeah, those those Landry owners weren't happy. And because of that, I don't know that I can get on board streaming Mr. Tannehill, but strength of schedule says he's one of the top five schedules for the fantasy playoffs.
0: The the other piece of shade I will give to Tannehill and Landry here is uh, it appears that at least for most of the snaps, I I haven't checked pro football focus yet, but for most of the snaps that I watched, uh, Landry was being shadowed by Ladarius Webb. And and if there is a cornerback of any talent on Baltimore, it would be him.
1: Yeah, he's just been so inconsistent too, though. But yes, I agree with you on that. any event, you know what's going to happen. Nobody, and I mean nobody, even Ryan Tannehill's mom isn't going to play him if she owns him in a fantasy league. And you know he's going to throw for like three seventy and five touchdowns one week or something,
0: which is going to make Landry an obvious contrarian play this way this week on DFS.
1: There you go. So let's talk about the toughest schedules for fantasy. I'll let you take the take the reins on that.
0: Oh, well, the five uh, players I'm going to name here are five quarterbacks that you've probably ridden to your uh, fantasy playoffs, and now they're going to go in with some really tough matchups here in the playoffs. Uh, Oakland's Derek Carr, uh, he went on a streak there where he was averaging three passing touchdowns a game. He had a couple of down games. We had another good game last week. Uh, His schedule really is not uh, uh, looking good for the rest of the way, including a matchup with Denver this week. Uh, Atlanta, Matt Ryan, his schedule got hard about three weeks ago, and it's only getting harder. He's going to face uh, Carolina among other teams down the stretch here. I believe he faces Carolina twice in the in the last four weeks. Uh, not a good matchup for him. Carolina they've got a tough matchups uh, in their next uh, two of their next four games. But you can't really bench Cam Newton because no. right now there is not a better quarterback in football than Cam Newton, making a great case for league MVP this year. And his legs, uh, so
1: his legs, bail him out and give him added value. So
0: uh, Pittsburgh is another surprising one. Ben Roethlisberger. He's been throwing the ball like crazy. Uh, They're going to have to develop a running game. Uh, I mean, D'Angelo finished with some decent numbers this past week, but he's still being forced to throw the ball 40 times a game. And I think when you get down into the heat of the schedule and they've got some tough games coming up here, they're not going to be able to throw the ball 40 times a game, especially if weather starts to become a factor for Pittsburgh. And lastly, uh, you may or may not have been counting on Eli Manning at parts of this year. He's got two horrible matchups coming up in the fantasy playoffs and, uh, Do you really want to put your fantasy playoffs behind Eli Manning? I know if you're talking real playoffs, there may not be a better quarterback in the history of football, but fantasy playoffs is still regular season in real football. So I don't know if I trust Eli when my money's on the line. Yeah,
1: I can understand that. Good thing, though, that quarterback doesn't make that big of a difference um, in the grand scheme of things. I will say this with Cam Newton and Ben Roethlisberger. They're two guys that I'm going to refer to as we talked about, I think, last week. My – or also I talked about it on Twitter and you retweeted me or something, but um we'll call those my um live by the sword, die by the sword type guys. You can't bench them and you're just gonna have to live with what happens. Just understand that they don't have the best matchups in the world. That's the truth. So at running back, do we even have any running backs that are still healthy?
0: Um, I don't know. I, I recently had to pick up Theo Riddick in one league, so
1: well, you're lucky he was available. That's that's a steal. Um Sean yeah, no, I can't get on that train. Sorry. I'd rather start um Jamal Charles. At least he won't lose points. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's I've seen crazier things happen. So, well,
0: there's the, as much as there's great matchups for quarterbacks and bad qu- quarterback matchups, there's also bad and easy matchups at running back too. I mean, uh, looking at just a couple of the uh the teams though that are available for easiest fantasy schedule for running backs, uh, there's five of them there and realistically there's maybe only two running backs that you really want to own in those five teams.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. TJ Yeldon from Jacksonville. They've got a great schedule. Um, uh, my biggest issue with Jacksonville has been the overall team makeup and, and game flow and what it meant for Yeldon, but you could do worse than starting him, um, as a running back too, cause there's no way he's running back one. Um, and Jonathan Stewart has a very strong schedule. Um, Again, if you own him, I don't think he's your running back one. I think for most people, he's a running back two, and he's somebody that you start without question. Um, in Detroit, who is who can you go? Who can you rely on? I think you nailed it with Theo Riddick. Um, especially in PPR especially leagues, in PPR. I think he's good. Yep, absolutely in PPR leagues. Lamar Miller, after a very hot um, period, has cooled somewhat, um, but he's got a strong finish to the season. I would not be opposed to seeing him in my lineups, and I, I don't want to face him. I can tell you this. All those guys I've just mentioned, I don't want to see in my opponents' lineups.
0: Well, and we, we talked a little bit about Tannehill earlier on, and here is the week 14, 15, 16 matchups for the Dolphins, and it, this will explain to you why Tannehill and Landry and Miller are going to be in a lot of teams' uh, lineups when they're going to win their titles, and that's because they're facing the New York Giants, the San Diego Chargers, and the Indianapolis Colts.
1: Yeah, that'll do it. That will do it. Um, and then there's one last team. Um, they have what I'm referred to in our pre-production as the replacements, and we seem to like that, so it's going to stick. And since they're your team, I'll let you say who they are.
0: Uh, that would be Spencer Ware and Cha-Ching West. And it kind it of played out like we thought it would last week. West carried the ball between the 20s, and Spencer Ware dug his way through the line to get a 10-yard uh, scamper touchdown uh, inside the 20, and that was about it for both of them.
1: Yep. So neither of those guys inspire me to be like, oh, that's who I definitely want to start. But again, as a running back two or a flex, there's value to be had there, and you know that at least they have good matchups. Now, and t- if
0: one of them were to get hurt,
1: then the other one, that, that would be gorgeous. Huge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and we had discussed, we had talked about possibly um, naming – handcuffs for players at different positions than just running back. Um, so that's something you can always look at where, you know, you you want a handcuff. You want the handcuff to Buck Allen, as an example. Who is that? I don't know. Do but, we know
0: who that is? Uh, it, Terrence West?
1: Like, yeah, go find out who it is because if something were to happen to him and you own Buck, you can't just go out and pick somebody up off the waiver wire. So you might give up some depth to make sure that you have a certain guy that you know, that would be in line for all the carries when your guy goes down and the same thing at tight end and, and wide receiver. So there's a, that's, that's homework for everybody.
0: Well, I think running back is a great position to look at for that. I mean, with the case of Jacksonville, if Yeldon were to go down, uh, Gerhardt's on IR now. So Bernard Robinson would be the only back left there. Carolina, if Stewart were to go down, Tolbert. the carries would probably be split between Tolbert and Cameron Artis Payne. Detroit. Uh, right now, it's currently a three-way split with Mike Bell, Amir Abdullah, and Theo Riddick. Obviously, if one of those three goes down, they'll increase the, the livelihood of the other two. Miami, if you don't already own Jay Ajahi, you definitely must go get him if you've got uh, Lamar Miller because Ajahi has proven in his short carries that he is capable of being a featured back in this league. And again, you're not going to be able to find either of the KC guys out on the waiver wire, but uh, if, if you own one, hopefully you own both of them because they are definitely the handcuffs to have.
1: So then I'll let you take the guys that that have the worst. You're the bear of bad news this week.
0: (laughs) Well, I've got some bad news for you. If you've got these guys as your running back, uh, because they've got a horrible schedule coming up, Baltimore being one of them, Buck Allen. uh, May look like he's uh, an every-week player because of how he's been performing in the passing game, but if you don't have that PPR element to your league, his schedule becomes very, very daunting coming up here with three rough matchups in Week 14, 15, and 16. The Patriots have a couple of rough matchups coming up. And realistically, you can't count on which back is going to get the yardage there anyways. It could be Bolden. It could be White. It could be Blunt. It could be Jonas Gray. It could be some guy signed off the street. Don't put your eggs in the basket there. If you have to start one, you have to start one, but don't expect a lot of yards there. It's still a Brady offense. It's still going to be throwing the ball 60 times a game.
1: Hey, and I'm going to add something because I was hoping that we could get to this. A guy that I will guarantee is on 99.9% of waiver wires, and just based on the amount of attrition that we have seen at running back this year, I would not be shocked that at some point during the fantasy playoffs that this guy gets 20 touches, and that's Trey Williams who the Patriots signed and picked up off. I think he was off. The Cowboys had had him and released him and they signed him. Um, He kind of fits that Dion role. And yes, James White did well last week, but James White could go down first quarter next week. Wouldn't shock you. Would it shock me? No, it would not. Um, Trey Williams, guy you can get in stash and just in case big lottery ticket.
0: And then there's three other teams in the uh, bottom of the running back schedule there. Uh, Denver, Things kind of shook out a little bit this past week with uh, C.J. Anderson getting hurt. Uh, Ronnie Hillman, however, is not going to be the sole provider of yardage now because they've decided to give C.J. Anderson's carries to Juwan Thompson. So just when you think that things might have gotten a little easier there, they haven't. And Denver's schedule against the run looks pretty tough down the stretch. Uh, Pittsburgh, you're not going to bench D'Angelo Williams. He's got too much value both in the passing game and the running game but his schedule has got a couple of tough games coming up, particularly against running backs. And finally, you've got Cleveland. If you're relying on Cleveland's backfield, you're not in the playoffs anyways.
1: True. I was going to ask if they were still part of the NFL, but I won't go there. My wife will probably put me out on the street. Um, so wide receiver, easiest position to, you know, cultivate points at. Um, but when you have some great matchups for the playoffs, that's always a, a plus. Um, Cleveland. We'll start at the uh, yeah. Let's why not? What the hell? Cleveland actually has one of the top five playoff matchups for wide receivers. It's a shame they don't have any wide receivers, or as Harley put it, they have a half a wide receiver.
0: Yeah, it's it's too bad that Travis Benjamin got hurt last week. Uh, he actually had a good matchup. One of my sleeper picks last week was Brian Hartline. He had a good game in his stead. Eight catches, eighty-two yards, and uh, I think Hartline and Benjamin are okay wide receivers, but neither of them is going to scare your opposition. Uh, their schedule is favorable, so in DFS you might look at those two guys as options. But, again, you're not counting on either of those two to lead your redraft league or your dynasty league to uh, a playoff finale.
1: No but, uh, if, but no, but if you've got a a wide receiver three or four spot that you're kind of torn between, I have no problem sticking Hartline in there.
0: And Benjamin, too. It sounds like he will play this week. So. Yeah. Uh, going right up the list here, wide receivers. Uh, it's strange the uh, four best wide receiver uh, matchups this week, are, or I should say for the playoffs, come to four teams that really are shorthanded at wide receiver. You say? The San Diego Chargers. Do they have a number one wide receiver? Uh, Malcolm Floyd played one snap last week, caught one pass. Don uh, Dontrell Inman, maybe. Uh, Stevie Johnson was hurt last week. He didn't finish the game. Didn't catch a pass, didn't have a target. Uh, Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore lost Steve Smith. They've got Kamar Aiken, and Kamar Aiken makes a great playoff play. Yep. Uh, the Kansas State Chiefs also one wide receiver. Now, apparently one one player in general to them to throw to, and uh, not saying that I'm a little frustrated in the fact that Travis Kelsey isn't seeing a lot of targets, but uh, the first quarter of the uh, KC game this past week, the only person targeted by Alex Smith was Jeremy Macklin.
1: Macklin. Macklin owners don't mind. Trust me.
0: And lastly, you've got Buffalo, who, again, they're really devout on one wide receiver. Sammy Watkins uh, has been a complete stud the second half of the season. His schedule continues to get nice, and uh, as long as Tyrod Taylor's got good matchups, you would imagine that his wide receiver crew would have good matchups. That means that uh, Watkins is a safe play into the playoffs, too.
1: And then if you're in a deeper league, I think that also brings Chris Hogan into play as a wide receiver three or four, and I'm talking like 16-team type leagues. Mm -hmm. Now, teams with some tough matchups— Um have they're littered with studs as we would say. How's that? Um first we'll start with well, yeah, we'll start with Carolina. They've got a tough schedule and they're not really littered with studs. Um although Ted Ginn has been serviceable at times this year. This past week summed up his upside, downside, and frustratingness all in one fell swoop. What did it not?
0: That was one of the weirdest Games I've ever watched. I mean, to see the amount of times that Cam Newton was able to throw the ball sixty yards down the field to someone who was completely wide open, and and half of those times the player who was completely wide open not catching the ball—it it was really surreal. I mean, there was no defender anywhere on the screen on most of the passes that he threw. It is but awesome. half of those passes were complete dropsies. And two of those drops just came off the hands of Ted Ginn.
1: Oh, my God. And I'm not bitter or anything. It's not like I picked him as my blue-light special play for DFS this week or anything like that. I mean, 580 and he 2. He had a good score. He had a good line. Yeah, 580 and 2, nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, that's, that's a solid score. But, hey, seven two oh nine and 4 sure sounds a hell of a lot better.
0: That sounds downright Antonio Brownian.
1: That is what that man had if he could catch a football. If I was Cam, (laughs) if I was Riverboat Ron, I would find a way to have his fingers and hands operated on so that crazy glue came out of the pores.
0: I I think back to the movie The Replacements with uh, Keanu Reeves trying to throw the ball to uh, the Featherstone and everyone chanting, don't throw it to (laughs) Stonehands. Yep.
1: I mean, it was bad. It was bad. I mean, 7209 oh, and 4. That's the kind of. I mean, and tr- trust me, I know there's lots of times you can go, oh, he should have caught that. He'd have had this. But those were not even close.
0: I mean, at less than 2% ownership in the Millionaire Maker on DraftKings.
1: Yeah, it just sickening. <laughs> sickening. Okay. Now I'm off Carolina. We'll get to the other four teams that all have studs. Um, start with out in Oakland um, Amari Cooper. He really has been great as a rookie. He's had a couple games that were tough here and there, but fantasy playoffs are not going to be kind to Mr. Cooper.
0: Yeah, you got to be careful there. You've got uh, Cooper, as well as Michael Crabtree, who have kind of become option one and 1A there. Uh, this week they get Denver. Uh, then they get a, an okay matchup with Green Bay. Not a great matchup, but an okay matchup. And then San Diego in Week 16, you'd think San Diego's soft in the passing game because of all the injuries they had earlier on in the year, but they've actually held four of the last five wide receiver tandems out of the end zone.
1: Yeah, so not a given. Um, then we also have Green Bay, which Green Bay has been frustrating as it is, so I don't know anybody that wants to rely on Randall Cobb um, for consistent production because they know how frustrating he's been. So be fair warned. Um, he's got a tough fantasy matchup for the playoffs. Mike Evans, Vincent Jackson, more Evans than Jackson, um, not the best of matchups for you know the playoffs, but more than likely if you own him, you're going to have to start him. And the one guy that you need to be warned on is a super stud. But he definitely has kryptonite. And that's Julio Jones. Got two extremely tough matchups. And what I will warn you against is also be wary when Julio plays at home. That's where his clunkers happen.
0: Now I will give a little shade to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because uh, this week they actually get a cake matchup in facing the uh, New Orleans Saints, who are really, really uh, nice to opposing wide receivers. Uh, Next week, they're scheduled to face a tougher secondary in St. Louis. But St. Louis, uh, uh, Janoris Jenkins suffered an injury this past week, and he's been really, really dominant this year. If he were to miss time, their defense might take a drop off there. Uh, Otherwise, they've been very, very good so far. And Indianapolis has one good cornerback. I'm sorry, not Indianapolis, uh... They get Chicago in Week 16. And Chicago's secondary has been better, but they're still not great. So uh, of those lower-tier guys, uh, the Tampa Bay is the one one side that I'm not as concerned about just because they do have at least one very good matchup
1: here. Okay. So, and that's where you have it, wide receiver. Now, we're running a little bit long, but that's okay because we want to make sure that um, you guys get what you need to get through the playoffs. But we're going to buzz through tight ends just a little bit here. And the top five teams with great matchups are players that are attainable and that you probably have on your bench. Um, one is a super stud, and that's Greg Olson. Um, another one's Jacksonville. Julius Thomas, of course, has been frustrating at times. He, he's been okay, but he's got a solid matchup So for the playoffs. So if you own him, feel free to plug him in. Um, Detroit, Denver, and Miami are the other three teams can't be so confident with any of their players Denver Vernon Davis suffered a concussion I believe so you'd have to monitor that but if he gets back and healthy a couple good matchups could make him a stream option Eric Ebron in Detroit he's got touchdown upside but again you're only going to play him if you really need the upside so you have to pick the game that he's got a good matchup and roll with him and then you have Miami and Jordan Cameron if anybody still owns him like I do yes I own him sorry it's a 16 team league um what's going to happen is mr cameron is going to go off a couple of weeks on everybody's bench and then they're going to chase him in the one week that he has a poor matchup they're not they're going to have in their lineups and he's going to screw them so that's what you got at tight end for easy schedules on the tough side uh, we talked about in pre-production philadelphia's got two nice tight ends but you never know which one to play um the jets they have a tight end
0: (laughs) the last tight end to catch a pass for them i do believe was uh Jeff Cumberland, but here's the interesting stat about the Jets. We've talked all season about how rotten Oakland is against opposing tight ends. Yep. The New York Jets are the only team to not complete a pass to a tight end against Oakland this year. Every other team completed at least one pass to a tight end.
1: So, yeah, there you go. Um, That's why they've got a bottom five matchup. Um, Buffalo, Charles, Clay. Did I miss? Is Charles Clay in Buffalo? Yes, I keep getting him Yes, confused. he is. At one, time, at one point this year, I said it was Miami. I don't know, my mind. He used to be in Miami. I know, and I, can never, I never continue to move him over. Anyway, he's got three horrible games. You do not want to stream Mr. Clay in your playoffs. Um, now, the other two um, have been very valuable fantasy players, um, one being Jordan Reed. I do not know what he's doing tonight so far against the Cowboys, um, but he has two tough matchups in the playoffs, and it's going to be better to avoid than start. And then the other one is somebody that I know you like, Delaney Walker. Um, he's a guy that I wouldn't call him a super stud, but if you own him, you probably have to start him. But just understand, he's got two pretty bad matchups.
0: Yeah, first matchup being this uh, first week here against the New York Jets, who uh, last I looked, they had given up uh, two receivers all season, more than 60 yards to opposing tight ends in one game. So that means every other game this season, they've given up 60 yards or less total to opposing tight ends. Uh, And in half of their games this year, they've given up 40 yards or less to an opposing tight end team.
1: So I think what we're saying is, yes, they're a bottom five play for the playoffs. So I'll tell you what, we gave everybody a ton to ingest um, right there with regards to strength of schedule for the fantasy playoffs. So you know what that means? I think it's time for me to digest something to drink. So I'm going to cue this music up right here. And that means we're throwing it over to Harley for this week's tap. In. Take it away, sir.
0: Thank you, Steve. Uh, So this week, I'm actually diving back to my article for thehuddle.com from last week where uh, on What's on Tap, I reviewed three different barley wine style beers or or big alcohol beers. Now, again, with the season coming to an end uh, for a lot of teams that didn't make their playoffs, you want something a little bit bigger. Uh, a little more alcohol to ease your pain. But also as it gets colder, you get the chill in the air, you want something that's maybe a little sweeter that's going to that's gonna warm your body a little bit, warm the cockles of your body. So I, I went with three different barley wines that uh, are readily available this time of year, one of which comes to us from uh, San Diego, California. Uh, San Diego has no offensive line. They have uh, very few left in their secondary, and they have no wide receivers. But they do have a great brewery, and they actually have quite a few great breweries, but one of those breweries is Alesmith Brewing Company. Now, Alesmith uh, makes a beer every year they call Old Numskull. It's their It's their version of a barley wine. Uh, this particular year, I got a chance to try their barrel-aged version of it, which is absolutely fabulous. Uh, had a chance to try it. it. It pours a dark mahogany in color. It looks like the color of what you would expect a, a study to look like like an old library or, or a place that maybe might be a, a man's club. You, you go in there and that's the color of the walls there, the deep walnut, the mahogany. And then when you pour that, you get so much wood aroma in your glass. that I mean, from step one, from sip one, you can smell the wood that this beer was aged in. It's really, really good tasting. Uh, another aroma that I pulled from it was almost like leather it, it, it feels and, and smells a little bit like suede leather in your nose. And then, of course, when you taste it, it's very heavy with the booze in the wood. The oak just dries your tongue instantly. But there's a little bit of sweetness in there, too. Uh, I think vanilla or English toffee, maybe even black blackstrap molasses. They'll kind of hit the back of your tongue, a little sweetness in there. And, and finally, it, it's really thick, but it's not syrupy. It actually finishes clean. I think the, the wood... Again, causes your tongue to be a little drier, so you're not going to feel a little slickeriness going down. But it's definitely thick-bodied. Now, this beer comes in at 11%, uh, and right. I think that's a little higher than the uh, regular version, probably because of the barrel aging. Uh, I believe the regular version might be 9 or 10%, which is still very, very high. But if you get a chance, uh, definitely go out and buy a bottle of the, of the original old Skull from uh, Alesmith. But if you're lucky enough to find the barrel-aged bottle, pick it up. Let it age for a little bit and make sure when you serve it, don't serve it at refrigerator temperature. Serve it at room temperature because that's how you're going to get a lot more of the uh, the vanilla and the caramel and the molasses taste to come out from it.
1: Well, i got to tell you, that sounds fabulous. And when you say about drinking it at room temperature, what I actually like to do at times is when I'll bust out one of my stouts or you know beers that are better at room temperature, I like to get a sip of them while they're cold and, mm-hmm. and see it as it progresses and see how the – the taste changes as it warms.
0: Well, and I think that's the nice thing about this one is that the booze is there, and you're going to taste it from from sip one. And you're going to feel but it's also, it. But also, it's mellow. And you're going to uh, feel it?
1: 11%?
0: Most, most, uh, most boozy barley wines, they taste better after aging for a year. This one here, th- this was brewed this year. I, I did not let this bottle age. This tasted gorgeous from day one. That's hard to do.
1: Well, sounds like a good one for people to try out. So I guess if we're going to have them try something like that, we need to help make them some money so that they can easily buy it. So let's go ahead and um, break this huddle. And we'll get into our third down, which, of course, is DFS, pay-to-play, fade away. So should I start with quarterback?
0: You know, I've decided to split this up equally, fairly, and equitably. I'm giving you quarterbacks and running backs, and I'm going to take wide receivers and tight ends.
1: Well, okay, then. The judge has spoken. But do I go first? That is the question. Um, The coin says... Yes. Yes. All right. So who am I going to fade? I have three options I think that I can fade. One would be Tom Brady. Top-priced quarterback in all of fantasy land. How do you fade Tom Brady? Well, here's how and why I'm not fading Tom Brady. There's just too many unknowns. There's a chance that Gronk could be back this week. There's a chance that he's not back. If he's not back, then I think he's a fade. If he's back, he's probably not a fade. Um, so because of that, I'm not going to make him my fade. Um, I could say fade Matty Ice. Matty Ice is fadeable. There's no doubt. But his price isn't that high. So I don't want to make him my fade. No, I'm going to say to fade Ben Roethlisberger, which is Hard to do. That's Uh, bold. Well, it is. But you know what? I'm only doing so because of his price and the risk associated with starting him. And that's what it's based on. I think that you can play it safer, get a little bit um, more bang from your buck by playing a cheaper quarterback. Um, The guy I will pay to play, though, this week, is Cam Newton. Very high-priced. I think he's, what, second-highest-priced quarterback of all the quarterbacks. Um, And deservingly so. You know, but great matchup and his legs won't fail you. Um, And maybe just maybe they find a way to implant um, crazy glue into Ted Ginn's pores. Um, Yeah. I like cam a lot this week and I have no problem paying to play him. So I'll throw it to you for your running backs.
0: Before you do that, I'm going to throw out one value suggestion for our DFS players, at quarterback guy who I really like this week going up against San Diego. And I know I just said San Diego's defense has been better. They're still not great. And so the value play that I'm going to do is actually, I, I got San Diego running back, my mistake, at quarterback versus Cleveland, Blaine Gabbard. Blaine Gabbard is my value play this week. The same Blaine Gabbert that we railed on for several weeks uh, for not being ready for prime time, uh, really not being worth starting when he went to San Francisco. You know, Cleveland is rotten. Gabbard has been serviceable. Opposing quarterbacks, have posted an average of 311 passing yards and three touchdowns against Cleveland over the last four weeks. That's a pretty solid trend, and these weren't great quarterbacks. These were just average and sub-average quarterbacks, which Blaine Gabbert definitely is. So he's the value play this week on DraftKings and on FanDuel.
1: Okay. And then we'll move into the running back position with you.
0: Uh, You've got running backs this week, Steve.
1: Well, then we're going to move into wide receiver with you. See, I don't know what the hell is going on. (laughs)
0: <laughs> at wide receiver, I am paying to play one Mr. Brandon Marshall versus Tennessee. He's at 7600 and 8200 which are very high prices, but he's worth it. If you, any of you caught last week's game, Ellen Robinson torched Tennessee's secondary for 10 catches, 153 yards, and three touchdowns, despite the fact that his secondary receiver was out for the game. Now, Brandon Marshall has another receiver by the name of Eric Decker who provides him a little bit of shade. So that means Marshall won't be able to be double teamed or triple teamed this week. Now, the week before, they allowed that to Tennessee, the week before Tennessee allowed that to Allen Robinson, Tennessee allowed Oakland's wide receivers, Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree, uh, Seth Roberts, Roberts, to combine for 256 yards and three touchdowns. Now, Marshall, on his behalf, he scored in five straight. He's also scored in six of eight games, which are great percentages. He's a sure thing to score this week. And at that price, I'm willing to pay that he might score twice.
1: There you go. I like it. I've liked Brandon Marshall all year. I, I, he was a target of mine in the redraft um, drafts earlier this summer. So,
0: On the fade side of the coin, I'm fading both of those Oakland receivers, Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree. They get Denver this week. Their price tag is middle of the pack. But only one wide receiver has scored a touchdown versus Denver this year. Six different teams as a team didn't reach 60 wide receiver yards against them. It's not one wide receiver. Every single wide receiver on six different teams combined together did not reach 60 total yards against them. In the last six weeks, four different teams have not reached 60 yards receiving against them among their wide receivers. In week five, all of Oakland's wide receivers combined for only eight catches and 101 yards against Denver. This is not going to be a good week to play Crabtree or Cooper, or Carr, for that matter.
1: Man, that defense, that Denver defense does not get its due. It really doesn't. It's sick. It really is. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so I should take running back, and then we're going to let you finish with tight end, right? Sounds good. All right, so you want my pay or my fade? What do you want first, play or fade?
0: You know what? I I like holding the money in my pocket as long as possible, so to the fade
1: for, for first. Do the fade first. Okay. Well, you know what? It's probably good that I do the fade first because I think some people are going to look at it as a play once I give them my supporting documentation. <laughs> I'm going to say you fade Matt Forte and his 6800 7800 price tag. Say what? Wow.
0: Well. You do, you do know who they're facing, right?
1: Um, who are they facing? Why would uh, I know that?
0: The Chicago. They're facing Washington. Yeah,
1: they're facing Washington. And they're facing them in Chicago where Washington's a slightly different team on the road, but they've been pretty solid. They've only given up a total of, what, seven touchdowns to running backs, four on the ground and three in the air? That's correct. Um, What I don't like about this matchup is I don't like the timeshare. Granted, it's about 60-30, roughly, right? Something like that.
0: It may even be more like uh, 80-20 now. It just, With Kadim Carey getting a little touch here and there, too. Yeah,
1: it just I, I just don't. There's something about it, and there's something about that split that just it worries me, and I, I see too much downside for the price that he's at. Now, here's something that's going to—it's contrarian. There's no doubt this is a contrarian play. When I throw this out there, and people are going to go, wait a minute, I thought you said this was your fade. Over the last eight weeks, the Washington Redskins are fourth in running back points per game allowed. That is not a good stat to support my stance. That I want to put out there. So while I'm saying this is my fade, it is a risky fade. And I have, I have the ability to stand here and say that. And I'll eat crow next week if I'm wrong. Um, but I'm telling you, I don't think Forte's worth the risk. It's not that I don't think the upside is there. I don't think he's worth the risk. And you've
0: got to pay a high price to get Forte, so...
1: Right, and that's... Again, if
0: you're looking at dollar value value, he might not be the best value player.
1: And that is why I'm saying I'm fading Mr. Forte this week. Now, the guy I'm paying to play this week is because we're going to come up with some catchy phrase or lingo at some point this offseason to tag this for future use. But he is... um, What was that movie that that was made back in the day... Um, Oh, I can't remember it's like a the Manhattan Project or something like that um, hmm. I whatever it's not working, but anyway, Martin has a Manhattan project type matchup, and basically anybody playing the Saints is kind of like the Manhattan Project, which means it's a go <laughs> so Doug Martin is facing the Saints this week, that makes him a pay. I don't care how much he is. He's only sixty-two hundred and eight thousand dollars. If he was ninety-two hundred and ten thousand dollars, I'd say you pay Doug Martin on the upside that he presents.
0: That price is just way too low for Martin. I totally agree. Uh, the only issue with him might be that he is such a chalk play; uh, everyone might be on him, and uh, well, I, I think they should be.
1: You know what? A few weeks ago, there was a player that was a chalk play like that. Um, I can't remember who it was. Was it Todd Gurley? Maybe where he had about 60% ownership or 65% ownership, but he still put up 45 points? Well, guess what? If 65% of the people own him and he puts up 45 points, I'd rather be part of the 65% that had those 45 points than the 35 that didn't. Well, I kind
0: of blew uh, the uh, secret there earlier when I said San Diego. Uh, My value play at running back actually is the player against San Diego, and that is Spencer Ware of Kansas City. Now, we talked earlier in the show about how he's splitting time with Chuck Hendrick, cha West, and uh, realistically, uh, West is the guy between the 20s, so Ware won't get you a ton of yardage, but uh, so far this year, San Diego's allowed 13 running back touchdowns, which I believe is third in the league. Uh, they've also given up uh, a lot of yards to receiving backs, and I know Spencer Ware did catch a few passes when he was, was starting there, so he could get a few receptions, too. He's only 4500 and 5800 which is way too cheap for him for the guy who's going to get you your touchdowns for Kansas City and what should be an easy victory for them.
1: There you go. All right, now you know what? Take us home with tight end.
0: Well, you know, we're going to wrap it up with tight ends. So the first tight end I'm going to choose is my pay-to-play tight end, and that's Tyler Eifert coming back from his injury, uh, his next stinger against Pittsburgh. Uh, going into this week, the Steelers had given up the third most receptions, the fourth most touchdowns, and the seventh most yards to the position. Uh, And on the coin flip side of that, Tyler Eifert going into this week and still coming out of this week, leads all receivers in touchdowns uh, with 13. So you got to like Tyler Eifert going against Pittsburgh, who have been giving up tight end touchdowns all season long. Uh, I'm going to fade Antonio Gates versus Kansas City. Uh, His price tag is 2,500 only on DraftKings, which isn't too high. But no team's tight end has topped 70 yards against them this year. And only two tight ends have scored against KC this year. So you know what? Stay away from that whole San Diego offense. It's a mess right now with no offensive line, no receivers. Gates can be triple teamed. It's just not good. And if you want a value play this week, throw 2,700 on DraftKings with Austin Safarian Jenkins getting a little revenge game against the New Orleans Saints. Now, think back to earlier in the season – It was the Saints that knocked and Jenkins out for pretty much the rest of the season. Just now came back this past week. Uh, The Saints didn't give up a tight end touchdown this past week, but they still managed to allow the combination of Greg Olson and Ed Dixon for Carolina to combine for 12 catches and 156 yards. Over the last four weeks, they have given up an average of nine catches, 111 yards, and one and a half touchdown per week, To the tight end position. Uh, So, Austin Safarian Jenkins is your uh, sneaky play this week at tight end. He's cheap, he's healthy, and he's looking for revenge.
1: I like it. I like it a lot. Um, So, there you have it. That's our DFS plays and fades and value plays for week 14. Hard to believe we're in week 14. If you're still with us, um, we thank you for tuning in. Best of luck at the start of your playoffs. I know I'm in a couple leagues and in a couple others. I didn't make it, sadly. Um, So that's where I'll use our DFS advice to help myself. Um, Harley, best of luck in your playoffs this week. Um, Of course, to E, our condolences for the loss of his grandmother. And make sure that you're checking us out at thehuddle.com for all kinds of great things like our Strength of Schedule article that's up as well as all the rest of the um, content that we put out on a weekly basis. And you can, of course, tune in to us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter. You get Harley at Nuclear Harley, E at E underscore Barrera 74, I believe. And then, of course, myself at Steve Gallo NFL. So until next week, and which next week, remember, will be our final episode of the season, so make sure you tune in. Until next week, get Blitz responsibly. Cheers.